Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. So in our quest for equality in, in all things, and not equity, we're talking about equality. Equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. I'm wondering why we don't have a Pride Month for every group, or at least Question. designate some group for every month of the year. I mean, what we have February, which is like Black Pride. I mean, it's Black History Month, but it's we're celebrating Black people, African Americans in February, and then June is Pride Month, right? We're celebrating, and it really, it's not fair that they get, that it just is Pride Month for that group. Like, they, they need to call it Queer Month or something like that. Yeah. But why, why are we excluding? Why are we excluding any group? Like, like who, gets, who gets March? I propose uh, we move Black Pride Month and we give February to the white people. They can be demeaned a little bit with the shortest month of the year. But what about Brown Pride Month or, or Hispanic mm. Pride Month? And how would, we, yeah. how would we split it up? Because we don't, I mean, I don't think we need, I mean, there's not a lesbian Pride Month and a no. bisexual Pride Month. So that can all be contained in one month. And we don't need like a Mexican Pride Month and like a Peruvian Pride Month. I don't think a Russian Pride Month would go over very well. But maybe they could just include them. They could just be included in in White Pride Month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In uh yeah, in the Euro Pride Month. That would be a good one though. Except, see, you you would have to pick. Because, of course, I have European heritage. I have Ukrainian heritage and, like, Scandinavian heritage. But I still feel like that would all fall under White Pride Month. Maybe, maybe we yeah. should have a female Pride Month. Oh, okay. Well, I like women. Although, yeah, I mean, they're all right. I, uh, I, w- I would say, though, that you can't have two Pride Months. No, you gotta, no, no. You no. got to pick a lane. If you want to have, if, if, if you're a, a black female lesbian, you got yeah. to, you, you to just pick one month, declare it. Yeah, you, we'll put a little sticker on your ID and then yeah, you're allowed exactly. to celebrate. <laughs> you're allowed yeah, to you're celebrate. not allowed to double dip. And no. if you do double dip, the punishment should be severe. You know, severe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll have a Jewish month and a Palestinian month. And we'll, yeah. we'll start out by giving, I mean, we'll have to give Palestine an entire month, but of course, inevitably, Jewish month will gradually extend one day at a time until Hamas is forced to retaliate. <laughs> <laughs> Reclaim those days for Palestinian month. <laughs> but hey, I think, I think we, yes. can, we can declare moving forward October to be Palestinian month. Right. And I don't think I mean, I, I'm I'm willing to take it under advisement. We'll do some polls. 
if the Jewish people have a problem with September being their Pride Month, then, then we can discuss it. And you know what? I'll take donations. I'll, uh, I'll start a pack. <laughs> Maybe pack isn't the right terminology. But, you know, you can lobby me. Lobby me for your month, and I'll take it all under advisement. And, yep. you know, after I get all the input, I'll declare who gets which month. And I'm sure we're all going to be on pins and needles. Oh, for sure. Because there's only, there's only, last time I checked, there's only 12 months. Uh, so we're going to have to be pretty creative. But we can narrow it down. I mean, August probably could be like uh, Latino month to incorporate. Yeah. La- uh, Latinx or whatever they call that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There should be like, yeah, Latinx. <laughs> the worst the worst almost as bad as ron de sanctimonious oh for in terms sake, of yeah the worst slang you could possibly come up with we'll have an asian pride month yeah. maybe uh maybe sometime in in august or i don't know do you think they would appreciate the summer i think so i think they would be kind i mean everybody's gonna want the summer months right because you're on vacation taking the kids yeah, no, on a trip. no one wants november like who the fuck wants november no kidding maybe that'll that'll be like native pride month <laughs> yeah yeah they they won't put up much of a fight against that i'm They'll just find thinking some spiritual reason to like like it or something well because culturally for you know for american culture november you know thanksgiving it's the the pilgrims and plymouth rock and you know freezing to death in the in the winter and then having the the natives of course coming to our uh, rescue that's My, perfect then we can thank them by giving them their whole month yes whole month of pride and i don't know there's a joke in here about casinos i think but, uh, uh <laughs> monday maybe, because maybe, that's I mean, maybe we can raffle it off then maybe we can gamble away in november well do you i mean you get you get that right because that's kind of the the native americans like niche in the country is is they have their tribal lands and they build a casino and and they get filthy rich oh for sure yeah and it's the same out in canada too you know and canada just had i think it was uh monday was canadian thanksgiving day that's right yeah my family were eating turkey and all kinds of stuff i have no idea what the uh what what they're what they're giving thanks for what are the is is it a similar situation you know i don't really know uh i'm gonna be quite honest but i don't know but what about, you know the canadians they, they might be giving thanks for something that doesn't even affect them you know that's what canadians are like they're, they're, i think they're thankful that it hasn't snowed yet <laughs> yeah that they still have light yeah yeah <laughs> that the sun still comes out a little yeah. bit. What yeah. about thank what God? About the UK? I can see. Like in in the UK, you don't have. I mean, you don't have a native people, right? Like you, you are the native people, legitimately. Hell yeah, man! Whoever those natives were, they are long gone, brother. We came in there and smashed the shit out of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like you were chasing them yeah. out of caves and shit. That's right. It's like Vikings came over, pillage everything. You know, the Romans were around here for a while, so. 
Yeah. So yeah, that, it's a lot of a lot of Norman, a lot of a lot of uh, Roman type type deal. Which is like that. That's a big part of my heritage on my dad's side. We were definitely the Viking warriors. So oh, what, great. What what's your holiday for for turkey eating? Oh, for sure, it's Christmas, right? And no, no others. You don't make an excuse. Another another excuse for no, no. The, the only one that's like really big. But like no turkey, I would say is like a bonfire night. You know the one about Guy Fox, and he tried to blow up Parliament. Oh yeah, remember, remember, remember the the yeah, that's right. And he November. fumbled the bag, uh, and now we celebrate him fumbling the bag. I don't know why we celebrate that. Uh, really, it should be a moment of sorrow, extreme sorrow. Yeah, we were almost free of the oppression. Yeah, right. He almost fucking blew that place up. And we're like, yay, he didn't do it. It's like, wait a second. Well, and that's, that's one thing, like, like, I wonder about, what, like, whatever I hear about terrorist attacks. Yes. What are you really, what are you really accomplishing? Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Oklahoma City bombing. What was it Timothy McVeigh? He... he he drove the, you know, the truck loaded with the fertilizer up next to the building and set it off and it blew up one whole side of the building and it was terrible. Yeah. And, and look what he accomplished. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. And it, it's, it's like the same thing with, uh, I mean, well, God, I don't know. 9-11, the, the world sure changed after 9-11. But I don't really think that that had much to do with the terrorist attack. Like, so much didn't have to change. The corrupt powers that be seized upon the opportunity yeah. to collect more power for themselves. And, and the same thing with COVID. And, and now I wonder, because there's a lot of uh, suspicion and, and conspiracy theories being thrown around about the attacks in israel that just happened over the weekend because uh this one guy i like to listen to is he's a jewish lawyer and is quite outraged about the israeli attack and or the attack on the israelis and he's talking about how there's it, it it took security forces like an hour to respond so so for an hour or or longer um this is his assessment the Hamas terrorists were just, you know, on a, on, on a killing spree for hours before being interrupted. And then there's more questions about why they weren't aware that the attack was coming. You know, like these world-renowned intelligence agencies yeah, for missed sure. the signs saying uh, Hamas is coming to kill 800, 900 Israeli civilians. And then, and then see, this is what gets me about the whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The, the argument from the Palestinian side is always that, oh, Israel's constantly killing, they're constantly killing our civilians. And then <laughs> Hamas funny. comes in and just kills a bunch of civilians and it's you know i i did a lot of reading and i have a lot of clips to play um 
But it, for, for me, it all boils down to the creation of the Israeli state. As soon as, as soon as the Israeli state was created and the, the British mandate ended and the British army left, the first thing that happened was Egypt attacked the new country of Israel. So if, if we're, if we're going, if we're looking back through time to decide who's the bad guy and who's the good guy, I mean, you go to that moment, sure, it's a little bit gray, but for me, if Egypt fired the first rocket, well, then it's clearly Egypt and the Palestinians and generally the left, which is the bad guy. But I don't know what, what are where do you come down? Are you pro-Israel? I'm not pro either way, bro. Like, this is nothing to do with me, this fight. I mean, I'm watching, you know, with popcorn kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm wondering to see what happens. But uh, I can't take a side in this. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not Jewish. I don't know anyone that's Jewish. I don't really vibe with the Palestinian side. You know, I, you know personally, I just think it's just, it's just, fu- this whole thing is just so ridiculous and fucked up. That's what that's where I'm at. So I worked, I'm not really a pro person. I, I, I worked with a Jew. Yeah, I'm I'm not a pro person either. I think both populations have a right to live in peace. Um Yeah, for sure. I just I don't know why they don't choose to do so. I mean, I and I, I can't think I can't identify any particular event that tells me, oh, this is why they're fighting. For me, you know, a 10,000 foot view, I look at it and go, oh, it's the Islamo-fascists that are still trying to kill all the Jews. It's the, I mean, it's, it's like the only thing left when you look at all of the details. And I don't know a lot of Jewish people either. I did work with a Jewish guy once for a, a few weeks, and I think I weirded him out because I just kept asking him questions about what it was like to be, you know, oh, do you eat bacon? Do you, do you do this? Do you do that? Because, I mean, we all know the, the rules, kind of, of the Jewish faith. At least the, they're almost like stereotypes, right? You can't eat pork. You can't turn, you can't operate, you know, electronic devices on Saturday. You got to have a, a, you know, a goyim, you know, a Shabbos goy. Come over. That's, that's what they call the, you know, the non-Jews, the, the white boys. Have them come over to, you know, turn the lights on and, you know, the oven or, or whatever. Like, and and that, that's another kind of funny thing about the Jewish faith. I mean, no disrespect intended. It's just kind of funny. There's all these loopholes to get around their rules like their rules are very literal but then they have loopholes and they have to they'll ask like the rabbi hey what do you think about this workaround for that rule and then the rabbi will be like yeah yeah you can do that that's you know it, it, it kind of for me i mean coming from like a christian background my parents are both pretty i mean my my mom and my stepdad are both pretty devout evangelical christians and that's where, so that's how I was raised. And the difference, I mean, specifically to this situation, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like naughty language. I don't understand why the F word is offensive 
But if you say, what the fudge, that's somehow not offensive. Like you're saying the same thing. Yeah. You're just replacing one word with a different word. You're replacing a word that means sex with a word that is a type of chocolate candy. In a, or, or, or crap. Literally a word that means uh, basically the same thing as shit. But if you say crap, it's not offensive. So I kind of, I, I, I don't really believe yeah. in, in naughty language. But I think it, for, for something like the food rules in the Jewish faith, there's a, oh, I forget. I forget the percentage. But there's a rule that says if there's less than a certain percent of ham in your meal, then it doesn't really count as ham. And this is the, the way I've heard the, to- the story told. I think it was uh, <laughs> Ari Shafir is a pretty well-known Jewish oh, comic. Yeah. And, and he yeah, yeah. went to, uh, you know, like the Hasidic Jew school. And oh, like, really? I didn't know that. Learned all the rules. Yeah, and his latest uh, special is, on, is free to watch on YouTube. And it's really interesting, really educational, and, and pretty funny, too. Um, it, it may be pretty vulgar. That stuff doesn't stand out to me anymore. I'm not like it did when I was living at home. Uh, but th- he tells the story like a Jew is cooking a big pot of soup over a fire outside of his, you know, hovel. and. You know, some irate Palestinian runs by with a handful of bacon and throws it into the soup. Well, if the amount of bacon doesn't reach a certain percentage of the soup, then the soup is okay to eat. But for the Christian, if, if, if that rule applied to the Christian faith, I don't think there would be that level of flexibility. I just think it's interesting. It is interesting. I, I think religion in general is interesting. Because the, Christians, for, for the Christians, a sin is a sin. Right. And I don't know, this is one of the things that I always found interesting about religion. And, and one of the things that just kind of makes me question traditional religion. Like, I consider myself to be a Christian. But I would say I'm a non-traditional Christian. I don't go to church. I say bad words, but, but I try to be a good person. I try to do right. the right thing. You know, I don't lie. I don't, you know, I don't steal. I don't kill people. <laughs> I, I generally, you know, I, <laughs> that's basically it. But there's, it, I don't know why, but when you say like, I don't kill people, it just sounds so weird. Like saying that out loud. I'm not going to lie. That's just so that's funny. That's what somebody that would, that kills people would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, but it's. I only kill. I only kill some people. Uh, I leave most people alone. Only if they really deserve it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's my logic. But I just like as I've gotten older and kind of looked, like not only introspectively but also you know, extrospectively, I feel like. 
no one really has any idea what God really thinks or what, what God really wants. I think it's good. I, I think the, the Bible is a good book. I mean, maybe it's not riveting. Maybe it's not a New York Times bestseller. But the lessons within are yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody can learn from Psalms and Proverbs. But I just don't feel like God is sending you to hell because you like to say fuck. Sorry, mom. Because it's, yeah, well, because it's just like, what language does God speak, right? If that's a good point, like, uh, I guess he speaks yours, right? Well, yeah. And yours. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, whatever language you speak, I guess he speaks that. And, and Hebrew and German and Russian. Yeah. Cantonese, Mandarin. Wingdings. So which language does he consider to be the language of naughty words? You know, is he, are you condemned to hell for saying bugger? You know, or, (laughs) you know, what, like, and, and what's the level? Like this, this is why I, I genuinely don't believe in, in bad words. I believe some, some Pope at some time said, oh, I don't, I don't like those words. I hereby decree. Those are bad words and you're going to hell if you say them. And that's kind of my general problem yeah. with organized religion. Yeah, because it's so subjective. That's the problem about, that's the, that's the problem with a lot of religions. It, it, this is so subjective. And we're relying on the integrity of men and women. Right. But mostly right. men. And as we can see through current events, there's not, I mean, particularly men in power don't seem to have a lot of integrity. And the, the, the more we have freedom of information exchange, the more we learn, Oh, these, most of the people in charge are real corrupt bastards. And so why would it be any different? Why would it be any different throughout the course of history and why would it be any different for leaders of the church? They are leaders of men just as politicians and, you know, generals, presidents, etc. Why, why should we trust them to have any more integrity because they're men of faith? I know plenty of people of faith that are some of the worst people I've ever met. Some of the worst lying, conniving, backstabbing, corrupt sinners. And that's fine. They're, you know, men are sinners. But that should be reason number one why we shouldn't believe any, everything anybody says. Even if they're sponsored by the church. Because, I mean, look, oh, for, at, yeah, look, look sure. at all the wars. Look at all the wars that religion is responsible for. I mean, if you're trying to convince me that religion is not the source of conflict between Palestine and Israel, 
you're going to have a really hard time because it's the only thing that really makes sense. So I pulled together a few clips and we're going to start with uh, this interview, uh, trigonometry interview of Melanie Latest. That's where that's her, uh, her Twitter handle at Melanie Latest. Her actual name is Melanie Phillips. And this is the Jewish perspective. The fundamental narrative about Israel, essentially, is that as a compensation for the Holocaust, the Jews were given a piece of someone else's land in the Middle East where they've settled. And now there is a battle over that piece of land because of that original sin, if you like, which is uh, a viewpoint that, frankly, uh, up until I started listening to some of your your talks, it was unshakable in my really? understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Is that is that your understanding as well? Is that what you mm-hmm. thought? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Turns out it started way before then. I because I don't know. I honestly don't yeah, know. Yeah, enough yeah, about that, it. That's yeah. the, the default narrative. Yeah. yeah. So, is in what way is that not the case, Melanie? Every single thing that you just said is untrue. Mm-hmm. Well, most yeah. of your conversations. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make him happy. For yeah. um, obviously, it's a big subject, but um, the idea that um, the Jews had no connection to the land of Israel until um, a guilt-ridden West uh, took them out as a remnant of the Holocaust and stuck them into someone else's country is. Uh, the opposite of the truth. So what is the truth? The Jews are the only people for whom the land of Israel was ever their national kingdom. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Islam was even invented and before the Arabs invaded. Um, The Jews uh, were the original nation, the original nation upon which America and Britain, in a kind of mystical fashion in Britain, modeled themselves. Why do I say that? They were a nation because they were a people uh, in a particular area of land which they governed according to laws they made and which they defended. Now, um, they were uh, a nation for several hundred years under various kings. Um, And then uh, they were uh, basically kicked out, and then they returned, then they kicked out again. Um, And then that land of Israel was occupied by vast numbers of different civilizations. Um, The Romans, uh, uh, the Assyrians, um, uh, uh, the uh, Arabs, uh, various various sorts of Muslims, um, Christians, Crusaders, um, and and for a long period, the Ottoman Turks, who were Muslim but not Arab. Mm. Um, and then we get to the turn of the last century. And there grew up in Britain, as a result of, mainly as a result of evangelical Christianity, a movement to return the Jews to their ancestral homeland. Um, and these people were called Christian Zionists. And the kind of apogee of Christian Zionism in political terms was the Balfour Declaration in 1917. It was a cabinet which was dominated by Christian Zionists. And they believed that it was um, uh, their duty to help the Jews return, to re- restore their ancient homeland. Um, 
Long story short, as you will know, after the First World War, the entire Middle East was carved up mm. between mm. Britain and France, um, uh, which, you know, in itself was a questionable uh, activity. And they created Makes for various... nice straight lines on the map, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, well, well yes, uh, slightly uh, more complicated than straight lines. But anyway, so, you know, some of these uh, countries that they created, you know, you could say that's very questionable. But basically, the precursor of the United Nations, which was then the League of Nations, yes in the 1920s decided that um, as a matter of international treaty obligation, um, Britain would be given custodianship of what was then called Palestine, yeah. a name given to it insultingly by the Romans in order to erase its Jewish identity. Um, the British would be given custodianship of Palestine called the Mandate, under which Britain would be under a binding treaty obligation to return the Jews to their ancestral homeland to recreate it. Now, what was Palestine at the time? Well, a bit of it, a very large chunk of it, was promptly given away to the Arabs by Winston Churchill to become Transjordan, which is now Jordan. So what did that leave as the territory within which Britain had a binding duty undertaken by the world body of the time to return the Jews as a matter of historic right. What was that territory? It is what is now Israel, what is called the West Bank and Gaza. That is a territory to which the Jews alone were given the right to return because they alone had ruled it. Terms which have never been abrogated, even though the League of Nations is no more, it gave rise to the United Nations. But the United Nations took on, in its charter, it took on all the obligations of its predecessor unless they were specifically abrogated. Those terms have never been abrogated. So what then happened was, although the Arabs at the time, around 1917, 1918, uh, King Faisal notably, and one or two others, they said, Welcome, we welcome back the Jews to their ancestral homeland. They used this term because it was in, in their own religion. They, they knew this was a Jewish homeland. Right, because uh, I think that's enough from, from her. <laughs> There's more. There's a lot more to be discussed. But these cities, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, these are all cities from the Bible. Yeah. Where the Jews lived. And, and this, this word Palestine, this was the word that the Romans decided they were going to call Israel throughout the time of, of the Roman Empire, to spite the Jews. I don't know if you picked up, she, she did mention that. To spite the Jews, the Romans said, now nah, we're going to call this, we're going to call this land Palestine, which was... Uh, to refer to the land of the Philistines is kind of the same word across the, the Greek and Roman languages. Right. But at the, after the fall of the Roman Empire, nobody called it Palestine. They only called it Palestine around the time of this British mandate, where they, they just kind of looked back through history and said, oh, the Roman Empire called this land Palestine. Mm -hmm. So we'll just go with that. Which is kind of, I mean, there's a big conspiracy theory about how the Roman Empire still exists. It's just been rebranded. Shout out Sam Tripoli. That's kind of his terminology. 
If that's the case, I want to go there. The Romans had a fucking great time, it sounds like. Yeah, right. They, they did. But there's, I mean, and this, there's another element to add here. Um, but I will let this pro-Palestinian voice uh, explain it here. Let's hear it. Palestine, something unusual is happening back in Europe. You see, the Zionist movement had been growing increasingly influential and lobbied hard to support the mass migration of Jews to Palestine and recognize a Jewish claim to the Palestinian land. And in 1917, Britain out of nowhere publicly declared its intentions of establishing a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. So the British just gifted Palestine, a country which was made up of 90% Palestinians to European Zionists. They gave- But see, this is, this, this is why, I mean, I'm, I'm showing my hand here, like, whatever, I'm, I'm pro-Israel. I am on the Israeli side of history because they use the, this terminology to claim that, like, it's like, if, if you come, if you live in the American state of Oregon, you're an Oregonian. But that doesn't establish your race. You could be an African Oregonian or a Mexican Oregonian. They're calling these people Palestinians because they happen to live in this region that was named Palestine by the Romans and later by the, you know, the British through the British mandate and the League of Nations and all of that. Right. So it's, it's, for me, it's inherently disingenuous to make these kind of, these kind of arguments. You would give a box of chocolates. Historians still debate till this day why the British gave Palestine to Zionists. It's simply baffling. Now, at this point, the Jewish population in Palestine was less than 10%. Right, the population was less than 10% because the Arabs kept killing all of the Jews. That's why, that's why they had to flee. That's why they felt, I mean, this was the, the lobbying, Theodore Herzl, he was the guy, you know, that's, that's where that name, that's why you recognize that name because he was the famous, uh, famous Jewish lobbyist that said, we need an Israeli state. So, uh, an area that we can claim as ours, where we can be safe, some territory that we can defend because people have historically hated the Jews and wanted to kill them, the Arabs especially. So when the British started to facilitate the immigration of European Jews to Palestine from 1922 and 1935, the Jewish population rose to 27%. With the British mandate in full swing, mass European Jewish immigration meant that more land would be seized and the native Palestinian population grew increasingly worried. The Palestinians would demonstrate their concerns to their British overlords, but they wouldn't have it. European Jewish settlement was on the rise. The British proposed a partition of Palestine. Now, why do you think they wouldn't have it? What, 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 what could be... What could be the argument as to why the, I mean, the British mandate, of course. But what do you think was really happening behind the scenes? What, what, what sort of arguments were the Palestinians making? No, 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 you can't bring these Jews here. But to which well, the, it's like, the British would say, well, why not? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, the British probably would have said, well, do something about it. And then... The Palestinians would have been like, okay, we're not going to do anything about it because we have British overlords that like rule everything. 
Right. And I mean, culturally, like just from a historical standpoint, thing things would have been culturally more or less acceptable due to the times. But the right. way people think and behave doesn't change that much because people are still people. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah. Like it's the same it's the same in India. If you look at the difference like like look, you know, Pakistan wasn't a country until, you know, very recently. And that was a that was a whole deal between, you know, civil war and fucking India. So, same shit. That's why they hate each other as well. And the the big part or I should say like the the, the most consequential decisions that have led to all of this fighting constant war in the middle east is because yeah. of how france and britain carved up this territory they weren't consulting to say hey where where do you guys live you know what what's what's your lands oh okay you other tribe over here what's what's your land they 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 weren't divvying up the land in a way to create the most peaceful situation they just said yeah we're gonna draw i mean literally what what i think constantine said in the last clip we're just gonna draw straight lines <laughs> like this is your this is your isosceles triangle of land over here and this is your square of land with perfect right angles over here like in in america the states are sort of divided on i mean yeah there's some straight lines but a lot of the boundaries are rivers and mountain ranges this is not the approach that was taken uh during this the sort of uh, uh, age of empires it was, uh, we want this square, you can have that square, uh, France, and uh, we, Britain, will take this area over here, and France, you can have this area. And then when they were done, it wasn't, they didn't just say, okay, it's done here, you, you can have it back. It was, no, this is going to be your country now, whether you like it or not. And since we know that people are generally people's behavior and character is not that much different now than it was a hundred years ago. Yeah. I think it's safe to assume that these people were saying, uh, no white man, you can't tell me where I live. I'm going to live where I want to live. And that's the rights that people have. Like, I don't know why. I mean, this is, I mean, I just keep getting back to why can't we all, just get along. Yeah, right. Well, if you think of if if you if your people, your culture says that this group of people is inherently detestable and your religious teachings say you must kill the infidels, well then yes. what what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to kill the infidels or are you going to be a bad Muslim? I, I think most people are choosing to most 
Muslims are choosing to kill the infidels. Unfortunately, I mean, not just, I'm not, I'm not trying to claim that all Muslims are violent people. I'm not even, I'm not trying to claim that I have any depth of knowledge into the, the Quran or Muslim teachings, but convince me that it's not a problem of religious persecution. Convince me that the British weren't looking at the Palestinians going, no, you don't want these Jews here because you culturally and religiously think that these Jews are vile creatures that don't even qualify as human beings. Yes. <clears throat> I think that's what's really going on. That's, that's just me. I can't believe that people are actually protesting in favor of the terrorists. I mean, this is, this is something that's like so weird, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's. I mean, ima- I know, imagine this, this people, is, yeah. imagine people celebrating Al Qaeda after 9-11. Yeah, right. It's like, congratulations. You've just like bombed a bunch of people. They're just useful idiots. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe that these people are really sincerely pro-terrorism. I think that there are there is a small cell of pro-Palestinian, pro-terrorism people that have gathered a following of useful idiots. Yeah. That are just happy to be part of the in-group. And since they're part of the in-group, when you're, I mean, this is like basic human psychology, right? If you're part of the group, you don't want to be ostracized. Right. You don't want to be excommunicated. This is, right. this is how we've gotten such a radical left across the world. They all want to be part of the cool group. And they've come out of these indoctrination institutions known as universities to, th- to think that the left is the in-group. And isn't it interesting? You see the left is, the left is known for all of these things. Lately, uh, what? Transing kids. Uh, you know, pornographic books in schools. And now, pro-terrorism. They just want to be part of the in-group. And the in-group continues to introduce (laughs) these radical ideologies. And I have to think that some of these people are going, uh, are we still, but now these people are all of my friends. I've surrounded myself with all of these people that are willing to go along with all of this radical ideology. Why don't I, why can't I do it? If they can do it, I can do it. I won't really do it behind closed doors. I won't really support Hamas in my own home. But when my friends are saying, hey, you better come. I mean, and then it becomes peer pressure. Like, hey, why can't I can't believe you didn't come support me and support this cause, our cause. This is our cause. Why? Why weren't you? Why aren't you supporting me? Are you not my friend? I don't think uh, I don't think you're a very good friend. I think maybe we're going to have to reevaluate our friendship. I mean, when you look at it at that, I mean, the, they're, they're still wrong. Like a, a person that can't bring themselves to do the right thing 
and stand up for what they believe in, even in the face of their friends, the people that are willing to compromise their beliefs. I can't relate to them. Because I won't do that. I won't keep my mouth shut and just go along with things that I don't believe in. Yeah. But there's, yeah, I know. There's a substantial group. There's a substantial group of people that will do that. And that's why we've ended up in the, in the situation that we're in because people are too afraid to not go along. People are too afraid to stand up and say, no, I don't agree with this. This isn't okay. But I did see some video out of uh, Florida, I think, which is a really bad place, really, really bad place to throw a pro Hamas rally (laughs) because of all the retired Jewish people (laughs) that live there. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. But they so so it it made the headlines a couple of days ago. Hamas, uh, uh, pro Hamas protests or or or, uh, counter protest of of pro Hamas people went to a pro-Israel rally and uh, they got their asses handed to them. But there were only oh, like really? five. There were, there were literally, I mean, probably less than a dozen. And I, I literally only saw about five different people in this video that I watched that were pro-Hamas. Right. And this sea of pro-Israeli, uh, you know, protesters, if you'd like, they all just swarm across the road uh, to the other side where these pro-Hamas protesters were and just started slapping the shit out of him. I mean, it didn't get really violent because, I mean, it was literally like 10 against 100. And they were like, it, it, was, it was kind of, I don't know, it was almost a little bit heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't, like, they weren't brutal. Like, there was no brutality. They went over and literally like this one guy I just saw just get smacked across the face. And you could actually hear the slap. I mean, it was a good one. But there was no like kicking, beating. There were no, you know, pipes or bats or, or anything like that. They, they basically just smacked and punched until they ran away. And then that was enough. That was, that was the end of it. But it's another division for the country and that's what that's what i think the point of the pro hamas rallies is not not because there's any actual sincere devotion to the hamas movement but because there are entities across the western world that are trying to create chaos so we have pro-Hamas protests for the first time ever, probably. And we have radical leftist politicians in the United States calling, like, immediately, it was disgusting. Immediately after you hear 700, uh, you know, civilians were captured and or murdered, immediately American politicians are calling for a ceasefire. Wait a minute, what, a ceasefire? Like, yeah, just just roll in, just roll in and and slaughter a bunch of us, and then we won't retaliate. Yeah. Good luck with that. What is the uh, what what is Britain's relationship with Israel? Is it comparable to Americans relationship? 
Uh, I would say so. I mean, I mean, you look, you even heard what they're talking about by the League of Nations, and we did a great deal of work to emigrate a lot of the Jewish people from Europe to Israel at, at that time. So our relationship with Israel is, is quite deep. Although I would say there aren't a lot of Jewish people here in the UK compared to in America. In America, you guys have a lot compared to, to us. And so that obviously will have, you know, different. Yeah, we, we, I, think, I think our Muslim population is, is much bigger than our Jewish one. Are, and any, so that, are, are any British politicians doing anything that could resemble support for Palestine or, or Hamas? You know, that I don't know. I, I, it's been, you know, some of them are standing with Israel. I think there is a resounding sentiment that they believe that this is bad, you know? Um, but as far as to go like, oh, we're going to, you know, put a stop to this or we're going to send, you know, warships like America has done. I don't think there's much appetite for that. Well, I don't see how anybody can be pro-war. But there are a lot of people that are pro-war. Yeah, there's, there's a great deal of people pro-war. And I'm just, I'm looking for any pro-Hamas speeches or press releases from any UK MPs and I'm, I'm not seeing anything. So good, good for no, them. It, it, yeah. It's, it's much more subdued compared to Ukraine where, you know, Ukraine was very much a, we stand with Ukraine, you know, we think Russia is terrible. And, and one of the things I wanted to mention as well, like, cause you, you would know better than me. Considering that the UK is being very sort of, I would say very either quiet about their opinion or neutral on this Israel-Palestine thing, I want to know what the appetite is in America with the Republicans, with the Democrats to start doing aid packages uh, similar to what they were doing with Ukraine. Like, what is the appetite for that? Because I know that this is already a contentious problem with Ukraine. You know, the Republicans and many other people, including the public, don't want to keep supporting Ukraine, you know, infinitely. Uh, but what is what is the appetite for the same thing with this new conflict? Well, I just heard a really disturbing bit of information uh, last night, actually, and I, I didn't have time to fact check it myself. But there was. You know, sort of insider Jack Posobiec, he's a. a rising star in conservative media space. He put out a tweet last night or yesterday that said, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin isn't even coming to briefings regarding Israel-Palestine. And okay, Joe Biden is is not really participating. And it's actually the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, that is making most of the decisions. And that, I think, that just kind of sums up what a leftist government we have 
running America right now. Because the left is uh, unapologetically anti-Israel, oftentimes anti-Semitic. And the most infuriating thing is that we just don't, like, our politicians just aren't participating. Like, Lloyd Austin, you scumbag, go to work. Just go to work. You know, like, you, you can go to the briefings and help make the decisions that are best for America. How about that? You don't have to pick a side. You can just be on America's side. But no, not even, not even showing up. And I think that is, well, we, I mean, we moved, we moved a carrier closer. We sent a carrier group closer to support Israel. And then Iraq says, America, if you uh, involve yourself in Palestine, you will become a legitimate target. Now, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that fair. means exactly, but I, I do think that no level of involvement or disinvolvement is going to make us less of a target for terrorists. With our southern border wide open, they, I mean, they've already apprehended multiple people suspected of terrorism at the southern border. How many people have they not apprehended? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, another... at, the, at the same time, at the same time, I think it's probably a good idea not to be an active person in this because then they legitimately have a reason to attack us. You know, at the moment they might do terrorist attacks and it's like, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of, well, this is just complete bullshit, right? You're just attacking us because you can. You don't want to give them a reason to justify it because then other people can rally behind them and ramp up attacks. That's the big problem about it. It's like right now it's just a bunch of random people. It might be ISIS or ISIS-K or Daesh or fucking Taliban or whatever that want to attack us and stuff like that. But then you get like, oh, well, now America's joining in on the Israel thing and they're starting to bomb Arabs and fucking Palestinians and stuff. And now you got like all these other countries, maybe people that weren't terrorists and now becoming terrorists. So it's just like, I think at some point you have to sit back and, and kind of go, do we want to be involved in this in that way? Because you have to accept the fact that if you involve yourself in something like this, that it will come back on you. And if it comes back on you in a public way, then I, I don't see how that's fair um, to your tax-paying constituents. Like, why would we risk more terrorist tax so that we can help out Israel against Palestine all the way around the world? It doesn't affect us. It just seems like, you know, it, it just seems like a bit of bullshit. You know, it's in the Middle East. You know, for us here in the UK, Russia's a lot closer. We, it's the Ukraine thing can be slightly different in many ways because of trade and stuff like that. But, you know, this Israel and Palestine thing, this is more of a territorial spat between two small countries around the world. They're not really going to affect us in a great deal. It just seems like too much risk for well, and, basically no reward. And Israel has a very powerful military. Yeah. Primarily thanks to the West. Yeah. But... America has done more to fund the terrorists than it has to help Israel. I mean, Israel hasn't even asked for our help. They're, they're saying, okay, we're sending 100,000 troops into Gaza. We're going to raise the place to the fucking ground. And that'll be the end of that. But it's the, the, the arguments that you were making about American involvement in Israel 
are the same arguments that Hamas uses to justify their attacks on Israel. Mm. Oh, well, they, mm. they attacked us. They launched, they launched rockets. And I even saw a funny little video of two cartoon cities right next to each other. One Gaza, one Israel. And it shows Israel just a, con, a constant, ro- just, just one rocket every five seconds. Pew, pew, pew. Then Gaza launches, after, after 10 rockets hit Gaza, Gaza launch, launches one rocket back. And then 50 times as many rockets get launched out of Israel at Gaza. And it was, it was funny. It was, it was meant to be, you know, humorous, but just a wild misrepresentation of what actually happens. Yeah. I mean, just use common sense. It's like the missing cocaine in the White House. Well, hmm. Yeah. Who have we seen for the last two years on film and in pictures doing cocaine and crack over and over again? Suddenly, cocaine shows up in the White House and, hmm, who could that possibly belong to? Geez, I have no idea. Give me a break. Like, do Arabs historically hate Jews? Oh, yes. Well, gee, why would they continually attack the land of the Jews over and over again? Oh, it's. It's because they just want control of this really lucrative shipping port that connects the Middle East to uh, Western Europe and, and Egypt and areas like that. Oh, okay. That's, that's the, I mean, I mean, Konstantin Kissin himself said in a tweet, it's not that the Middle East hates that the West is, is more powerful or, or is, is more, has more freedom. They hate that they're more powerful. So they will fight and bomb and attack and assassinate because they want that level of power. And if they were to ever achieve that level of power, then they're going to conquer and subjugate because that is the mandate from the, the Quran, uh, allegedly, you know, right. r- reportedly. I'm not, I'm not a, a Quran scientist. Uh, a Quran scientist. <sighs> I am going to use that one. I am going to use that. Hello, my name's Jordan. I'm a Quran scientist. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, there. I mean, I'm just thinking like political science. That was like where I was drawing the, the terminology from. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, but- I, I wonder if anyone down my road is a Quran scientist. That's so funny. Well, it's one of the reasons that I want to learn other languages. Right. Like, like learning Greek, like learning to read and write Greek. Wow. Would be so useful because you could go yes. back through so many ancient texts and get and like Hebrew, like learning Hebrew, because I, I, I'm eternally skeptical. Like we, we, we did this. Well, I mean, we've been doing Twitter ads uh, to, yeah. to promote the show. And one thing that I realized just recently is when you put up an ad for promotion, you're so, so you create a post for Twitter or X, if you'd like, and then you have the opportunity to promote it and pay a little bit of money to have Twitter elevate that post, show it to people that aren't uh, already following you to, you know, grow the podcast. We want to grow the podcast. We want to reach more listeners. 
Well, when you create your, once you promote the post, you lose access to that post. Like you can see, oh, we have this promotion running, but you can't actually view the post, which makes me immediately skeptical. What are you doing with my post? What have you changed? What does it look like? Like, what does my ad look like? So when it comes to ancient texts and things like the Bible that are taken from an ancient translation, I have to trust that the person translating is actually giving an accurate translation of, of the Hebrew words, of the Greek words, of, you know, the Aramaic language, which would also be... Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. And why would we, I mean, do we know how corrupt men can be? Yes, of course. So why would we just completely let ourselves go in, in trust for, for any person? I'm not talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about, you know, uh, uh, Joseph Young, the, the Mormon. Dude, do you know, do you know the history of the, the Mormon religion, the birth of, of Mormonism? Uh, I do, but only because I saw the musical in London. Oh, yes. I actually didn't see the musical, but I did see the South Park episode that sort of gave birth <laughs> to the musical. I mean, literally, this guy, Joseph Young, claimed that he was reading golden plates that he dug out of the ground in this top hat. And only he was allowed to read them. Only he knew what the translation would be. So then, after writing down these translations, he gave them to his partner, who took them back. I mean, this is, I'm, I may be getting this wrong. This is just what I know from the South Park episode. <laughs> yeah. Takes them back to, so, so Joseph Young gives his, his translated writings to his partner who takes him back to his house and shows him to his wife, which he wasn't supposed to do. So his wife, being skeptical, uh, hides the writings or throws them away or somehow challenges her husband to go back to Joseph Young and have him just translate it again. And he couldn't do it. He made up this, this big story about how uh, my apologies to listeners of the, the Mormon faith. If you would like to dispute anything that I'm saying, please send an email to the real earth Fox at protonmail.com. <laughs> so Joseph Young makes up this big story about how, uh, oh, God's really mad. God and the angel Moroni are really mad that I uh, let you take my, my translations and now you lost them. So he's not going to allow me to read from that tablet again. We have to read from this other tablet. Oh, how convenient. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, no, that sounds, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about the musical when I was watching it was, you know, there's a lot of older people, <laughs> as you'd imagine, because it's, uh, you know, musicals, right? And I don't think they quite realized that it's not necessarily like a nice, fun musical about the Mormon. Uh, belief that it's really just a giant piss take uh, where <laughs> there was a whole song about African people having AIDS 
and they were doing middle fingers at the audience and just the faces of some of these older people in the audience which was, was like horror it was like how who has invited me to this no one told me about this right because the title isn't i mean the title is the book of mormon right like there's yeah. nothing to suggest that you're about no. to get into any controversial you know sort of racy content it's the book of mormon oh hey let's go i mean which is just part of the brilliance like oh it, it is yeah because it looks so vanilla on the outside yeah. almost like you, they're trying to entice the the the, the genuine uh, musical goer but at the same time i'm sort of amazed that people are still taken aback by that because the musical has been around for a great deal of time you know i think it's been around for like 10 years or something this the musical has been and uh Still, people don't quite realize what it is, even though, you know, it's, it's fairly well documented what some of the uh, content is like in that musical. I mean, I was having a fucking great time. I was like, yeah, sing about AIDS and like, you know, <laughs> pray the gay away and all that shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good time. It's just funny. Like, I, I feel a little bit guilty, like, talking a bunch of trash about Mormons you know, whatever they, they believe what they believe. I mean, like, like you could break the Christian religion down into the same ridiculous terms. Like, Oh, uh, uh, when in, he went into the tomb and then people came and visited him. And then, Oh, suddenly the, the tomb, the, the tomb was open and the body was gone. And, Oh, he must've floated away into the sky. And, and I mean, you, you can make it sound ridiculous if you want to. You could make anything sound ridiculous if you want to. I mean, look at Scientology. Like, Scientology is another one of those uh, sort of fantastically de derived uh, belief systems, uh, if, if you'd like to not call it a religion. I'm, I'm happy to call it a religion. I'm happy to let you believe whatever you want to believe. I mean, the, the point being, like, look, we have these groups. I mean, Mormonism is a cult by definition. I mean, they, they hate to be called a cult, but it's sort of universally agreed upon it's not old it's got to be old as tom segura likes to say but you don't see mormon is mormons blowing up buildings scientologists aren't strapping vests to themselves and blowing up buses no they're just blowing up hollywood with their shitty fucking writing <laughs> <laughs> like they're the biggest terrorist attacks that Scientology's ever done is to the fucking Hollywood, bro. <laughs> they're murdering they film studios. They really are. They really are. They're a fucking tirade of satanical fucking attacks on Hollywood. It's, it's just been terrible. Yeah, it's dude, it's borderline Chinese communist. Because if Oh, you, it fucking is. If you speak out against, I mean, there was a period of time where Scientologists would try to ruin you if if you said anything negative about their religion, and this is one of the reasons that I uh, admire Adam Carolla so much. I gotta, I'm gonna find the clip right now where he uh, responds to the letter that he received from the official Scientology, you know, whatever synagogue. Okay, so here it is. Originally aired on broadcast radio. November 4th, 1997. Surprised anyone was alive then. 
Right. All right. We're not going to do the uh, Scientology um, uh, casual mock, <laughs> uh, thought-out uh, apology, but uh, we will we will get to it at some point tonight. Here's basically. Way, I don't think how I, would, it goes. I would typically not refer to them as a cult. So that's interesting. They would single me out as usual to complain about. Drew, uh, Drew, according to them, called Scientology a cult, and they sent a long-winded, uh, multi-page letter like to it. producer Ann, which I have not read yet, but it goes uh, something like this. Um, he's offended that we uh, that Drew called it a cult. He thinks my name is Andrew. <laughs> I love that. Or maybe he's just taken the word and and Drew and combined them into uh, one hybrid. <laughs> and he wants us to apologize. And not only does he want us to apologize over there, he's actually scripted it for us. That's great. Which I would prefer, by the way, in real life. Is there a part for me? Can I be you know a naughty like, nurse? Yeah. <laughs> We're not a cult. We can work you in here. Woo! You can uh, be like Tom Cruise's wife or something, mm -hmm. uh, Nicole Kidman. Um, I wish that people would do this. I'd like to, uh, what's this guy, Greg uh, LeClaire. I would like to use this guy in real life, like when I F up with my family and stuff. He could actually just write out an apology, and I could just tape it and send it <laughs> in to them. <laughs> I'll just do it over the air. Uh, Mom, I want you to listen between 10 and 10.45 on Tuesday. Uh, Greg has prepped a nice apology for me. I'm going to work Drew in, and it'll be very organic. Anyway. I feel like everyone's offended nowadays, and does, does everyone have time to write out these, these letters? Oh, do you get letters like this? No. This is uh, this is more strangely. I I do it, and it's, I get it, bro. In 1997, they were saying people are offended by everything. I can't believe I yeah. just heard that. For even yeah. for uh, causes yeah, yeah, I yeah. champion, this is uh, as, as though, you know I I will like say something out of yeah, something out of context. They'll take and say uh, you know you are the one at fault here. You're All right, part of the let, let me just give uh, Greg's uh, brief description here. Uh, dear Ann, blah blah blah. I think the best way for them to handle this on the air would simply be to read my letter slash facts on the air. It could be during the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> when they were talking back and forth before actually taking calls. It could be done in a professional manner, which takes re responsibility for what he said. Mm, that sounded a little strange. Yet, doesn't make him look bad. So, see, you could save some face and apologize, and I could come off as a, uh, you know, professional <laughs> at the same time. Um... Maybe we should, uh, I don't know, uh, Greg, uh, again, Greg uh, LeClaire from, uh, what is that cult called again? <laughs> no, from Scientology. I would, I would like Greg to send in uh, other apologies for us to do. We could uh, apologize to the Jews for World War II on behalf of the Germans. Uh, we could apologize uh, to the blacks for uh, the enslavement, and the oppression, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever Native other groups. Americans? Native Americans. I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. That'd be there'd be a runner, an you, addendum you to you that apology. Apologize for the internment of the Japanese during World War II. There's these are uh, Greg. These are all good topics. I hope you hear this and you're busily typing away. And um, other religions we may have offended. Is we he a good writer? To. Well, it's uh, it's not real organic. Well, Drew, do you just want to try this? Let's no. just do the first half of it. Let's get some calls. Let's just do the beginning Are of the apology here. Are you Here, Andrew? <laughs> here uh, Drew, you play yourself. Adam, I want to clear the air on something here. You mean you basically screwed up on something and now <laughs> you're going to fix it, right? Basically, I just received a fax from the Vice President of the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center in response to a statement on the air that I made about a week and a half ago. Andrew? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, when you were talking about uh, blank... Oh. 
What is that? What are you talking about? I, I don't know what he was talking I about. I don't know. Wait. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that blank is. He left a space. I guess he wanted me to improv there. He doesn't know me. I work <laughs> off a teleprompter. <laughs> and stated uh, that they were a cult like Scientology. Oh, I guess you're talking about some other uh, okay, religion. Adam, Andrew, yes, the facts goes like this. Now you can read the whole letter. Oh, that's where you read the entire letter? Yes. Oh, Does boy. anyone have that much time, though? Well, uh, I just apologize. Say, I didn't call it a cult. Uh, I didn't. No, nor really would. No, here, let me apologize. Go screw yourself, you nutballs. All right, now. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Oh, so there it is. That's his uh, genuine heartfelt <laughs> apology. Now, I, I was just doing some Googling. Well, some, not, I mean, I don't use Google, but I, I kind of feel like I should. Anyway. I did some Googling to figure out who this Greg LeClaire guy was that sent the letter to begin with. His, uh, his wife was Michelle LeClaire and uh, has recently, or maybe, maybe his sister. Gosh, now I'm, I'm just reading through these, the, uh, the what do you call them? Like the, the meta links, the ones that are blue. <laughs> and. Uh, it seems like she's gay now, so maybe I. I okay, this is my own. This is my own assessment of what happens, and this may have no place. This may have no place in reality. But let's just say that Greg Leclaire's wife was Michelle Leclaire, who came out to be gay in 2018 and then was excommunicated from the Church of Scientology. There you go. I like that storyline the best. So that's what I'm going with. But did you hear over the course of that clip when they started getting into the slander, when they started getting into the shit talk? Oh, well, they started bringing up music to take it to break. Like maybe we're afraid of where this is going. We don't want the Scientologists to ruin us because that's what everybody thought. Everybody thought, oh, no, the Scientologists, if, if we speak out against the Scientologists, we're not going to be able to work in Hollywood again. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, isn't it weird how the powers that be are still using that sort of entry point to manipulate you into doing what they want you to do? Oh, you better uh, do this or do that other thing or maybe take an experimental gene therapy or you can't work you better not slander our religion or you can't work it's i mean it's just another one of those aspects of human psychology that has not changed over the course of human history people trying to force their will onto other people and this is the the prime in in my opinion this is the primary factor that is causing the strife and the constant war and the killing in Palestine this is it it it's not about Palestine and Israel and Gaza and the West Bank and Jordan it's about the Jews and the Arabs the the Muslims yeah and and now it's it's it painfully obvious that the left because the left is so anti-west the left must also be anti-israel 
So the left is default pro-Palestine. And everyone is saying Joe Biden sent $6 billion to Iran just a couple of months ago, you know, for, uh, for prisoner exchange. And now it's, it's rumored that Iran has funneled that money to Hamas to finance this attack on Israel. And not, I mean, not only that, they're talking about how uh, the failed withdrawal from, Af- from Afghanistan and all the, uh, the military equipment that was left behind has now been uh, funneled to the Hamas terrorists, which are using it to attack Israel and will use it to defend Gaza against uh, you know, I- the Israeli offensive. And it's even becoming uh, rumored that the aid and the weapons that have been given to Ukraine by the West have also been hijacked and given to Hamas and pro-Palestine states to facilitate further attacks against Jews and Israel. But that's all rumors. Yeah. There's no hard evidence. And this is, but this is one of the reasons I think, I mean, look, you asked me about how the United States aid to Israel could or could not maybe mirror the aid that's given to Ukraine. There's a strong anti-Ukraine funding sentiment in America from the conservative side. Sure. Now, I kind of think that if America wasn't in such a bad way, if the economy wasn't so shit, if the price of energy wasn't so expensive, I feel like the anti-Ukraine funding movement would be much smaller. Because it's easy to feel generous when you are experiencing abundance. You know, like, I make good money at my job. And so I, as, as a way to kind of give back or to spread it around, I tip a huge amount when I go out to eat because I can afford it. And I want to be generous because for me, it feels good to be generous. And I don't think I'm alone in, in that sentiment. Americans aren't feeling like they can be generous because they have to pay $5 a gallon every time they put gas in their car. Yeah, for sure. And that, and that shouldn't be a very controversial thing to think about, really. You know, if you can't afford something or if you feel like you can't afford to just give away money, then that should be a relatively straightforward thing that, that many people should be, should be doing, you know. Uh, and there'll be some people that will go without, right? But that's not, that's not the majority, right? And so, I, I, yeah, I, I wonder what the... I assume there will be some kind of aid thing that goes to Israel. Um, but I wonder what the limit will be. I wonder what the appetite of your politicians will be for how much they're willing to go. And I'm, there's also I'm wondering, that. There's, yeah, go for it. I, I, I'm wondering if America will get involved without Israel directly asking for intervention. 
Oh, really? Oh, right. Okay. Because so like the opposite almost of the Ukraine situation where they were begging for shit and you got involved. You, you think you think America will get involved even if Israel doesn't want it? I don't. I don't think is. I don't think America will get involved if Israel doesn't ask. I'm wondering okay. if they'll get okay. involved even if Israel does ask. But I don't think. I mean, Israel oh, seems. See. Israel seems ready to respond, and they seem ready to respond on their own without assistance. They yeah. get a lot of assistance from America anyway. And I, I think probably Netanyahu knows that they won't get the level of assistance from the U.S. that they would under, like, a Donald Trump administration, for example, because Donald Trump yeah, is, for sure. is very, very pro-Israel. And I, I don't, why is that? I, well, I think part of it is that he's from New York. I think he's a, okay, yeah. he's yeah. a Brooklyn kid and New York has a large Jewish population. Yep. Um, you know, he's also a businessman. He got into Hollywood. There's a lot of, right. you know, yeah. a lot of Jewish people in Hollywood and in in big business and banking, he probably likes the Jews. And I personally don't know. I mean, I don't know what all the hatred of Jews is about if it's not stemming from, oh, you know, they killed Jesus. You know, that that's the that that's the only thing I can think of of, of where it came yeah. from. Yeah, I don't know. It's this is very confusing. But that that makes sense, you know. I think uh, Netanyahu, I think he's a great fan of Trump as well. Um, and just politically speaking, like this is great news for the leader of Israel. He was going through a very tumultuous time lately yeah. with some of the decisions he was doing. Um, I actually really liked his interview with Lex Friedman on the Lex Friedman podcast. That I did is a see that. I need, I need to listen to it. If you listen to it, that is a really, really good podcast. Uh, he is a fantastic speaker. I don't agree with everything. Um, that he says, which is the right opinion to have in my in my, uh, but it's a really good eye-opening look into where his headspace is at, and it's a good environment to to hear of people on on that podcast. It's really good, but that, that is a yeah, it is a little. It does add an element of suspicion because he, uh, became he, you know he was elected to the prime. I don't know how Israeli politics works, but he was elected as the mm, prime either. minister to put it simply. And then he was having a hard time putting his government together. Is, is that right? Yeah, he's, he's had a lot of issues with the, the courts and the government and this, that, and the other. Um, and, and this, and this probably serves that... as a, yeah, this probably serves as a really good distraction from all that. And it, and it justifies a lot of what Netanyahu was saying could happen, would happen why he was doing the things that he was doing because he wanted to be prepared this that and the other so you know i think he looks a little bit like you know i think he i think he's been very much vindicated in this and he will be vindicated in the eyes of the public over in israel as well as with other leaders around the world so i think you know whoever this goes i i you know i think this is really good for him it does give birth to a lot of conspiracy theories though when you when you start asking oh, it questions does. about why why the conspiracy or why the, the security response was so slow 
um, you know, why, why they didn't see it coming to begin with. And then you look and see, oh, well, this really sort of galvanizes support for him because now they have to unify against a common enemy. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. When, when you get to a point like that, um, you get to a point where you don't expect, you, you prepare for things to happen like that. But, you know, it's the same in business, same in other things. You, you set things up just in case something happens, but you never really believe that something like that would, would happen. I, so, tend, I, I tend to believe, I mean, I would, I would love to, I mean, and I do love to entertain the conspiracy theory aspect yeah, 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 of yeah, it. But yeah. when you look at, um, okay, so there's American involvement in Ukraine, heavy American involvement right. in Ukraine, yeah. hundreds of billions of dollars. Okay. I mean, there's, I would be more surprised to learn that there weren't Americans operating on the ground in Ukraine than I would to learn that there weren't or that there were. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so we have. Yeah that, yeah, that would make sense to me, too. The failed. We have that that Ukrainian involvement or that that American involvement. With Ukraine and Russia, then we have the failed, basically the surrender of Afghanistan. And then we have the hostage exchange with Iran, where we give them $6 billion for a five for five prisoner exchange. I think that's what it was. It might, might've been six, six for six, but no, I think it was, it was five prisoners for five prisoners. And then, uh, just to be clear on and, and factual and call out that I'm not trying to be intentionally misleading. We didn't give Iran $6 billion we unfroze $6 billion with worth of Iranian assets that we had previously frozen because okay. of like I Iran nuclear deal stuff. And, and it's just, I mean, I think it's a fact that's worth mentioning. We're not just, it is. Them yeah. Cash. It, it, yeah. Yeah. That, that is a good fact worth mentioning. Cause uh, it does, it did sound before that they had just given them cash and that yeah. seems like it makes so a difference. It definitely yeah, makes it a difference. And it I hear does, a lot does, of conservative media personalities going, oh, we just gave them $6 billion. And while that might be technically true, it's not the whole truth. No. But I no. think this it's is... Just, yeah, unfreezing assets is different. And when it's... I mean, God, what is it? Was it two episodes ago? Where we were talking about how you shouldn't give... You shouldn't negotiate with terrorists. You shouldn't pay ransoms for hostages under most circumstances because it puts when when the american government pays a large ransom for american hostages that puts every other american in that region at risk of being kidnapped and held for ransom yeah because there's a price tag now on the activity so here we are a month later and hamas uh uh you know what a, a subsidiary of iran has now taken a bunch of Israeli hostages, and it's rumored American hostages that they're going to be asking for lots of cash to release. It's just like, what, what are we doing? And that's, that's the whole point. We failed in Afghanistan. We're heavily involved in Ukraine. We're willing to negotiate with terrorists. And Iran and our other enemies in the Middle East have identified this weakness and decided to capitalize by attacking their most hated enemy, Israel. That sounds like the most likely scenario over, oh, they wanted this, uh, you know, 
Bibi Netanyahu wanted this attack to happen so he could galvanize support for himself in, in politics. I mean, it, it's not an outrageous possibility, in my opinion, but I think it's just more likely that Hamas and Iran and Iraq and, and the, the Middle Eastern Arab countries that hate the West the most have seized upon this Western weakness mm. to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. try to take more power for themselves. Yeah, I, I think they've decided they've decided to do something that I don't think even the Israelites thought they would do, which is a full blown like invasion. I, I don't think, I, and that shows they were completely unprepared for 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 something of that. I, obviously, it was a, a, a something they had thought about maybe happening, but it, it's the same thing as Wagner when Wagner did the little coup thing. The Russians were so unprepared for that they had. You know, they, they, they had never in their wildest dreams thought that, that the Wagner guy would turn around and start marching onto Moscow. And it's the same thing. Like, Gaza had shot missiles over the fence a bunch of times, but they had never done anything that kind of scale. And when you get to these bureaucratic entities, there's a lot of, um, is this really happening? Should we respond? You know, what is the response? Who's the accountability? That's what happened in Russia. People didn't, re people didn't know who they were shooting at. Should I shoot at this person? Should I not? Who am I accountable to? So there's lots of things that happen very, very quickly. And then, and then, okay, then Israel gets their head screwed on right and goes, right, okay, let's get down there and let's sort it out. So, you know, it, as much as I want to believe like the conspiracy theory or something like that, I honestly just think it's just good old fashioned, just incompetence and not quite, you know, the chaos of something happening just, to, just immediately, right? Um, that, that's, and now, but, you know, starting all this, that's where I started to get like a little bit fucked up because, you know, Netanyahu, right, was in such a, a, a weird political situation. And I wouldn't, you know, if someone told me that he had done something behind the scenes that enraged Hamas so much that they did this, I would probably believe that because this situation right now emboldens him in a great way. You know, it basically solidifies his rule for however long he wants to be in there now. If, because he's going to crush Hamas, no questions asked. It's going to be a mercy killing. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've already seen pictures. It's, uh, it's devastating. It's, it's utter devastation. Which yeah, it's not, the, it's, it's not the Ukraine versus Russia situation. Like, th this is like, Israel is the size of Russia versus Ukraine, but instead Ukraine started the war rather than Russia. That's what the situation is. It's like, it's like, Israel is so much more powerful, so much more technologically advanced than Hamas and Palestine. It's just going to be, you know, Iran is using it as some kind of like proxy war, but it's going to go horribly, horribly wrong. Well, and it makes me wonder why, like, why, why would you do this? Why would you do okay, this? And, and I heard my theory. I, my theory is that, you know, if you look at an, an organization, a terrorist, well, I don't want to say terrorist organization because that's what the Israelites say. If you look at an organization like Hamas, right, they're no different from, you know, uh, some kind of organi organization like t the Taliban is now uh, or, you know, Iran's uh, leadership. Th their power comes from the perception of their power. And if, if you enter a period of time which is very peaceful and there's nothing going on, then what is the use of Hamas? What is their purpose? They don't have a purpose because there's no enemy. 
Because Hamas's whole existence is, oh, there's this great enemy and you must keep us in power because we're the people that are going to try and protect you from this enemy. And so this is probably one of their like sort of last Hail Marys. They're probably going, look, we need to solidify our shit right now um, and, get, and give it our best shot so we can solidify our position for as long as possible. Because if we create this, um, it's them versus us in such a big way, then nobody else is going to want to come in and try and, you know, make leadership uh, in Palestine over us. That's my theory around that anyways. Well, and I heard a great point. I, w- I was going to play this clip actually from uh, Viva and Barnes Law for the People podcast Rumble show where uh, it's, it's uh, actually it's a Jewish Canadian lawyer and an American lawyer. Oh, wow. That sort of go through the, uh, the, the heavy hitting topics of the, the week or the month. And, uh, you know, break it down from a legal standpoint, a constitutional standpoint. And uh, one of the points that Robert Barnes made was that as soon as Israel and Palestine come to an agreement, say a two-state solution, well, suddenly Hamas and Hezbollah and these other paramilitary organizations they won't get any funding from these rich countries like Saudi Arabia and Iran because they are, they're, they're funded specifically to carry out attacks against Israel. So this is another pro-Israeli argument because I think he's right. If you're not doing the will of the people that are paying your bills, they're going to stop paying your bills. If Hamas can, can have a chunk of land where they can live peacefully, why would they live peacefully when it means there's not, I mean, then they're going to have to start producing things. They're going to have to become goat farmers or, or mm. you know, goat, goat ranchers and, and mm-hmm. you know, whatever, rice farmers. Although I don't think rice grows particularly well in Palestine. They would have to produce they would have to become a traditional economy. And these, I mean, ask a soldier if they want to be a goat rancher. What are they going to tell you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no. right? like, yeah. I don't think anybody really wants to be a goat rancher. Not really. Not unless you like goat's cheese or if you like uh, eating goat or if you just like the company of goats. I quite <laughs> like the company of a ram. I, I used to know a ram. His name was Eric and he had really fucked up teeth and I would go over there and I'd, I'd scratch his head and... It was a great time. It was a great time. But, you know, I'm not everyone. So maybe it's the goats that are planting these ideas. Hey, possibly, possibly. You know, I imagine Jews. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good. That was really good. I wonder uh, the sales of, you know, I wonder if there's a tracker for the price of sandals. I wonder if that's going to be, you know, up or down. I wonder if I can buy sandal futures as a security. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, sandals and, and, uh, but I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> sandals and, and turbans or something. I don't know. It's just... gourds, gourds for holding your water and, uh, rugs, maybe. 
you know, for, um, well, for your, for your house and for your, you know, prayer time as well. This is calling uh, to mind that, uh, that Sam Kinison bit where he's, he's talking about Africa. Right. And, and he, he's saying like, basically he's saying without like attempting to do the bit, he's saying, why, why don't you move where the food is? You live in the desert <laughs> where nothing grows. Move where the food is. Move where things will grow. It makes you wonder. I mean, I haven't been there. I haven't looked at the land. Like, is, is Gaza just, I mean, I know they've got a big shipping port, but that doesn't really help you pr- for, that doesn't really help you produce anything. It helps you export yeah. things. I, I know what you mean. I don't really know. I've not really seen it. I have this picture in my mind and it's just like sand, you know, just sand. And then the buildings look kind of like sand too. Endless. Yeah. And just endless sand. Maybe the food is sand. Maybe there's sand people that have, you know, learned to uh, live in the sand. Maybe it's the sand that is making them. It's, uh, it's too much sand. It's affecting their brains and making them violent. That's right. Maybe there's too much silica in the sand. Maybe they, they can't turn... Maybe they should make glass. Maybe they're big exporters of glass. They turn that's sand. That's what it is. That's what you got to... see through sand. Invest in. That's, that's what you need to invest in. And that's... I mean, why not? Why not take that approach? Yeah, big why, glass. Why not want to live peacefully together? I mean, why not, why not a, a two-state solution? Or, or, or a one-state solution, and you can just all quit killing each other. Why not that? I think the answer is religious. I think the answer is the Muslims have a religious mandate to cleanse the Jews, kill the infidels. Yeah. I don't know. Least, I, yeah, I don't want to pick a side. Too, there's, there's, too much, there's too much information to go through. There's too many potential, uh, you know chicken or the egg kind of scenarios but i keep going back yeah i know i know yeah i keep going back to the 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 first egyptian attack on israel when israel became israel and the british military left they came under attack immediately whose fault was that how could that possibly have been israel's fault why is why is israel being attacked simply for existing it's it's not right i mean i'm i'm happy to make that statement it's not right that there are yeah 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 that there is a group of people in the middle east that thinks that israel just shouldn't exist like you're wrong if you think israel just shouldn't exist you're wrong call it whatever you want people have a right to live in peace without fear of being killed in their beds at night Absolutely. You know, it's one thing to defend yourself, but if you go out of your way to bomb somewhere like fucking ages away, like, how do you defend that? You can't. You can't. You can't defend that. If I go out of my way to take a bunch of the dog shit for my dog and throw it over the fucking fence at the neighbor, you know, <laughs> there's no defense. There's it's no defense for aggression. that. That is, that is, that is a statement and a half, man. You know? There's no, there's really no excuse 
for violence other, other than as a last resort. But I really feel like, I mean, maybe this is my American isolationism, but I feel like if unless you're being attacked or starved or your, your ability to survive is put at risk, there's really no excuse for using violence against somebody just because you want what they have or you don't want them to exist. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one thing to attack someone or a country because you want to take their resources or you want to take their land or you want to do this or you want it for personal gain. But, you know, just to blow a place up because you just don't think it should be around. It's just like another level of maniacal, like, insanity. You know, I just think I should just delete this place. Not that I want it for my own gain, but I just don't think it should be around. So I'm just going to bomb it anyways. Not an acceptable solution. It's not anything, and I mean, this is, it, the, the most shocking thing to me is, like, what we've just discussed over the last, you know, five, five or ten minutes is common sense. If you attack somebody unprovoked, you should be, you should prepare to be attacked in return, or to have some retribution visited upon you. Yeah. Yeah, we have groups that are pro-Palestine? Yeah, kill the Jews. Hooray, kill the Jews. It's, it can't be genuine. I, I don't believe that it's genuine. I, I have a hard time believing that it's even 1% of the population. Yeah, it's strange. The, it, the internet's a strange place for that as well, because like, you know, information travels so quickly. You know, it's the same with the BLM riots, right? Like, BLM protests happen in London. And it was like, what? And they're pro-Palestine too, by the way, shockingly just come out this morning how how can the left be pro-palestine like i don't understand it because palestinian people like and muslims in general hate women not like a yeah they're like some of the most conservative people on planet earth yep they hate women they hate minorities they hate homosexuals they kill them all the time yeah and this is why i mean this is why i don't believe in this fashion too like they fucking like their biggest jihad is on fashion bro like uh (laughs) everyone wears a black sheet everyone that's it it's like (laughs) yo you're 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 blowing up your chances to be drippy as fuck i'm not gonna lie so you know and i wouldn't i wouldn't really i don't really vibe with that like i i wouldn't really fit in over there i don't think i mean it would be really great for men to have you know the world's the world's religion to be islam because i mean men are revered as gods they can do whatever they want they subjugate that's all right. their women that's right you know it's basically just like the book of bitches that's what they got it's like you know i just get mad bitches and i can do what i want yeah that's where and the word i get to harem that's comes right from. yeah yeah i get to wear my diamond encrusted sandals and my 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 black or white sheet and you know, drive my uh, Lamborghini. That's right. That's right. And at home, I got everything sorted out. I don't get no back chat, no nothing. So everybody's a, <laughs> all my buddies are billion dollar oil moguls. That's right. That's right. You know what? Now I keep saying about it. Like, I don't know why we're here, bro. I'll book a plane ticket right now, bro. We <laughs> should go over there. Settles it. All you got to do is <laughs> condemn Israel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah welcome yeah man if it <laughs> if i get all the bitches in the world i'll fucking bomb the shit out of that place for real <laughs> <laughs> and with that i will encourage you to visit vox404.com <laughs>
follow uh, follow the show on Twitter at Earthbox. Send an email to the real Earthbox at protonmail.com if you'd like. And please share the show. The 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 great suppression has begun. Oh uh, yeah, fantastic. We've been uh we're being currently being suppressed on Spotify. And I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming because the left has a stranglehold on social media and just media in general. The mm-hmm, election is coming mm-hmm. up. The American president is, uh, he's, well, he's basically dead on arrival. And I think, I think this is why he's not participating in, in these briefings about uh, Israel and Palestine, because I think he knows that he's done for. And I think everyone around him knows that he's done for. And I think he's looking for a way out. And I, I just, I feel a little bit bad for him because um, while he may be the worst, most corrupt president that America has ever had, Lord. I do think at this time he's a demented old man and doesn't really know what's going on, but can, is still coherent enough to identify that people are really mad at him and they really don't like him a lot. And that feels bad. And so I can, I can at least have a level of sympathy for him in, in that respect. But uh, I, it, it really, it's, it's a culmination of his poor choices in life. It's a result of, of his uh, child's doing uh, illicit business deals with, with foreign governments, whether he knew or not, he's now responsible for that. And I think it's highly likely that not only uh, Ukraine or China, but other countries, probably other Middle Eastern countries as well, have information that would ruin him were it to get out. And they are lording this information over him and saying, hey, you better give us $6 billion worth of our assets back, or we're going to tell the entire world that you Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton facilitated the uh, perpetuation of ISIS in Iraq, which was, I didn't even really plan on getting into this. It was uh, really alarming actually, because the way this information came and went really sort of indicates that there might be a lot of truth to it. I, I didn't mean to launch into this story, but Around, hmm, maybe it was 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For one day, maybe 18 hours, there were in conspiracy circles, there were accounts of military operatives that had taken out Osama bin Laden we're doing operations in Afghanistan and Pakistan, clearing out terrorism dens, and they found documents with instructions to ISIS leaders from the United States Department of State. This information came from multiple sources and has since been completely scrubbed from the internet. 
So maybe it was completely false. But if you were a leader in, a, in Iran or Iraq or Palestine, and you were privy to this information, that the American president was complicit in the creation of one of the worst terrorist organizations the world has ever seen, I bet you could use that information to get some pretty sweet deals for your country and your, const- and your constituents. Yeah, for sure. And, and unfortunately, I just think that's, that's one of the potential explanations for why uh, America is in, in such a bad way. Because, what I mean, it doesn't appear that any of the decisions being made by the highest leadership in the land have anything to do with the best interests of Americans. And with that happy note, I will bid you all farewell for four final words. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, actually, it's fantastic news for being suppressed on Spotify. I can't wait to use it to our advantage. So uh, the best places for you guys to see this content is really going to be on Apple Podcasts or any uh, major just Android device uh, on any major podcast uh, it gets syndicated pretty much everywhere as long as it's on apple podcast so make sure to give us uh, a follow so you never miss an episode of course these episodes are weekly uh, as well as the next thing you can do is go to the last episode we did i was really really happy with the last episode it was fantastic we covered a lot of really cool content lots of fun and uh we'll make sure to, to stay on top of this israel and palestine thing for you guys we'll talk to you soon <laughs>